Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. This week we'll discuss the news that Gary Kirsten has been approached to become England's new Red Bull coach and also reflect on the likelihood that Ben Stokes will be named as the new England Test captain. As well as that, we'll look back at round three of the county championship and we'll speak live with Derbyshire's record-breaking opening batter, Sean Massoud, who's scored over 600 runs already this season. And finally, Lawrence Booth will join us in part four uh, to talk about the new Wisden Almanac. And Kieran Pollard has retired from international cricket. So plenty to squeeze into the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. Let's start, Harmi, with um, the news that uh, Gary Kirsten, well, it's been reported by The Telegraph and, uh, and The Guardian, amongst others, has been informally approached he's been asked about his availability let's put it that way to become England's Red Bull coach before we get into that let's remind our listeners what he told us when we spoke to him in um, back in December you know my focus um, of attention is always on the format where one thinks that um, the team can really reach new heights or or certainly go to new heights and uh, you know when I was with the Proteas in in 2011 and 12, um, you know, we had a good test team, but a team that should be the best in the world, you know, and um, um, we were able to, uh, yeah, I think, achieve that just because we focused our attention on that. And it just feels like now with English cricket, um, test cricket is just uh, a great opportunity for for them to reset and, you know, and just to look at the at what they want to do to make sure that they've got a formidable team, like they've done with the with the one day team and the and, and the shorter formats. They've done a great job and just saying, okay, we want a new bunch of young players coming through, not only young, but just good white ball cricketers. And, you know, their team hardly changes now. Um, and that's probably what is required in the test side. Is it simple? That is it just as simple if we move the county game to play on, on better surfaces that we'll produce better cricketers? 
Or do you think there is something more than that? Is the county game suffering because of the white ball um, environment that we've we've uh, developed since 2015? Yeah, Steve. I mean, I think you've probably covered quite a lot of bases there. Um, but I was fortunate to, you know, just have um, a short stint in in the hundred and getting to understand English cricket a little bit more. And um, I think there's a lot there's a lot to be encouraged by and a lot to be impressed by in English cricket. But I think I found one of the most amazing things is I asked three or four coaches of county teams plus a number of um, senior players in English cricket who their top six would be in their batting lineup for the England test side. And I never got the same answer from anyone. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is, a, that is a red flag. I mean, I think every great test playing team has a very secure top six and yes, you might have one change of a youngster coming through or not, but generally you've got a secure top six. You would not, you should know who your top six are, the top six best, technically best England test batsmen are. And test and test test match batting is about great techniques. It's not about makeshift technique techniques. It's about having the guys who can manage the best bowlers in the world on difficult conditions. As simple as that. That's what makes a great test match batsman. I think, um, Steve, as, a, as a, a great fast bowler that you were for England, you know, whilst 20 wickets is really, really important for test teams to win games, what sets up games is your top six in test match batting. And you've got to have, you've got to, you've got to be able to put decent scores on the board to allow your bowlers to win matches. And you also need to be able to play the game in a way that um, you know takes the game forward. I think it's really, really important. You've got to be able to take the game forward, and um, you know your top six batting unit is so important in being able to set that up. And you know, I, I, I'm I'm not familiar enough with um, the rigors of county cricket and first class and the first class game. But the one thing that I do know, um, and I've had experience as a player and as a coach, is that every innings needs to be important. You know, every first class innings that you have in your career, must be a very special innings. And one of the concerns, certainly what I heard whilst I was in England last year, was that, you know, you might have 27, 28 first-class innings um, that you would play in a county season. That's way too many. I mean, you know, you can have a couple of innings where you're not firing and you can always make it up and come back, you know. But if you've only got 16 first-class innings in your season, you're going to put a prize on every single innings that you have. And I think maybe, maybe there's, something, there's something there that uh, English cricket could look at. is just, um, you know, to take the, the red ball game very seriously, not to have just a, a heap of volumes of games and just put a prize on every innings. There's a lot of bureaucracy. There's an awful lot of red tape and administration you could see, I know that you could see, can see a, a clear pathway forward, but there are 18 counties to deal with and uh, a lot of bureaucracy. If by chance, you know, sometime in the future you were given that chance, would you be able to insist on the right criteria to do the job as you see best? Manners, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, off the, off the top of my head, the first the first conversation that I would have with the powers that be is make sure you've got five or six people in the room that are the best test match experts that you could have in English cricket. So for me, number one standout would be someone like Alistair Cook. I mean, he, he would have to be in the room to discuss 
the game going forward at test match level in England. And I think if you can get the right people in the room with the best thinking that is available in the game, and then importantly is for, for the best cricket minds in the game to agree on a top six batting lineup where everyone goes, gee, this, this is, these are technically the best players in the country. Then you can move forward. But until, until that time where you've got divided opinion and you've got, um, you know, people thinking that there are a lot of different ways that you, you know, you can skin the cat. Yeah, you're going to have differences. You're going to have, um, you're going to have a lot of change-ups. And that's not what Test Match Cricket's about. You need to have consistency, stability. You need to have a, um, a team that you, that you know that you, you go to even when things aren't going well, but you stick with them. You just think of what they've done with the bowling lineup. I mean, Broad and Anderson have been there for many, many years, but they keep going back to them because they know that they are bankers and they know that they can do what they need to do for the team. And I think, um, you know, you need to create that certainly in the batting lineup as well. Well, you were impressed, Tommy, when we spoke to Gary Kirsten in December and um, he was quite hurt by the commotion that was caused the last time he expressed his availability um, that was to us amongst a few other people so he's keeping his powder dry at the moment he is of course head coach of the Gujarat Titans who are top of the IPL so that could be um, a sticking point but um, but the fact that he hasn't said anything i.e I'm not available uh, I think we can conclude that he is available and still interested yeah he seemed as though he was he was keen in December and I don't think there's there's much changed even though you must know what he's watching his telly in thinking what in March time when England were in the Caribbean. But look, again, it is a he's a fantastic coach. He's a he seems always like a solid man. He's somebody who not only knows the game, loves the game, but he he talks about keeping the game simple. And I think that's that's where England needs to get back to at this minute in time when it comes to the Red Bull approach of the game. Enhance the pool of players to make it better. And there's players now, young players especially, in county cricket who are standing up and putting performances together. And then, you know, being, having the ability to, to sort of keep calm under pressure. And that's something that England have really struggled with when it comes to the Red Bull game. And that's something that Gary Kirsten did very, very well, not only as a player, but also as a coach at South Africa when he took South Africa number one in the world. And, you know, you, you, have, to have, a, you have to be a very, very calm character to coach India with everything that goes on and the outside influences that that, and arguably India was as, as good as they've ever been when when Gary Kirsten was at the helm. So I think it would be a fantastic appointment. I was looking at knowing Rob Key and who yeah he's he's dealt with and talked about a wide range of contacts that he's he's built up over the course of um, his days and in the media. Andy Flower would be somebody in the mix and obviously. Gary Kirsten as well. I think Oates Gibson's name was mentioned, but he's he's more or less said he doesn't want the job. So from that point of view, yeah, Kirsten is, I think, is a standout choice. And I think he'll do a fantastic job if he is appointed. Do you think it is remotely possible that the ECB could create or or leave the IPL window open for him to carry on? He signed a three-year contract with the Gujarat Titans. And, you know, he's, he's, he's signed a contract and they're top mm-hmm. of the table and they're paying him very well. So do you think it's remotely feasible that he could do the England test job for nine months of the year and still keep his IPL gig? I think everything's on the table. I think everything's possible when it comes to... 
England are one of the powerhouses of, of world cricket when it comes to financial resources. But at this minute, I don't think they're going to be choosy about who comes in and coaches. The only thing I'll say is be very, very difficult if the IPL gets bigger, which we expected to do with the calendar that England have. And what I mean by that is we're the only, apart from Ireland, we're the only sort of Northern Hemisphere country that plays cricket. And we play a lot of cricket when it comes to test matches. So how, if we, if we do leave a window open, say March, April time, getting into May, then we are running out of time to have seven test matches. And I think that would be a big, big stumbling block. So I think there'll be questions need to, to, to be asked from, from that point of view for Rob Key and for the powers, whether it is Gary Kirsten, whether it is somebody else that does IPL, signed IPL. But I don't think England will be choosy at this minute. OK, I'm going to guess that if England come up with a three or four year contract for Gary Kirsten to be the test match coach, then um, I think that I, I'm going to speculate and say that Gary Kirsten would find a way to wriggle out of uh, his IPL commitment. So um, how about you speculate now on Ben Stokes becoming England test captain? Yeah, I, think, I don't think there's uh, there's much speculation about that. I think Rob Key's going to sit down with Ben Stokes and say, Ben, we need you to captain this team. Um, and we'll do everything we possibly can to make sure that, and I have to. My, uh, not so much slight concern, I've, I've got a big concern, having gone through difficulties mentally in that environment. Um, and and Keezy knows that firsthand because he, he, he helped me through most of it. That never goes away. It never goes away. So, and obviously comes under stress, the pain of going away and stuff like that, whatever, you know, it, it brings it on from, from Ben's point of view. I don't think it's it's going to go away. Yes, he might be in a good place at this minute in time. And yes, you know, he, he, he'll have, you know, support mechanisms to make sure that he's fine when he goes away. But, you know, them demons are still in there. And I think the easiest, easier it can be for, for Ben to captain the side because he is going to captain the side. I don't think there's any question question on that. It's just what they do to give him the best chance. Whether he gives up ODI cricket and only plays in major tournaments, I think they're going to try and convince him to bat at number six, not number five, to take some pressure off him that way um, because he's going to have to not only captain the side, bat and ball. I think that would be a, a sensible move. I think and financially, we talked about it, when it comes to Gary Kirsten, I think they've got to make it a financial package for him to turn down the IPL next year. And that means you have to, you have 18 months with no IPL, fully focus Ben Stokes on one thing and one thing alone, which is to lead the England cricket team in the Red Bull. And I think then you've got a chance of, of making sure that Ben gets used to the job and England are starting to go forward on a, on a good footing. And that's what I would be saying to Ben and, and trying to get him to, to sort of a apply himself on that, all he has to do is go on the field, captain the side, and hopefully get England going forward in red ball cricket. If he gets involved in everything else, I'll give him six months because he's mentally will not be able to do it. Okay, just before we move on to the county championship, interesting story developing at the ECB with um, Ron Khalifa set to be appointed as the new chair. Um, He's an independent director. He was appointed as head of the subcommittee, to find the new chair. And uh, having looked around, he wasn't able to find anybody. And then several of his colleagues said, well, actually, I think you're the best person to do the job. So he was eventually persuaded, having already turned the position down once, 
to stand down from the um, head of the appointments committee um, and make himself available. So it's an interesting story. What do you know about that? Not a great deal. I know that all noises about Ron Khalifa is that he's a very impressive man. He's somebody that loves cricket, knows the game, knows business. Um, very successful when it comes to that. So if, you're, if you've been asked to try and appoint somebody, then in theory, you've got a lot of things going for you because there's a lot of respect going your way because you have been given a chance to, to sort of have the final, not have the final say, but to pick the best person because we as an organisation think you're a very impressive man. And then he's probably realised what everybody else realises, who's got half a brain dealing with the ECB. There's not many candidates going around here and <laughs> they're not going to do the job properly and going to do the job independently and not have outside influences make decisions for you. So I actually think it's quite encouraging. No matter how you get to that point where you appoint the right person, but you just got to get there. And if it means that uh, you know Ron has to step down off the, the, the committee of trying to pick somebody and get picked himself, then it doesn't matter how he gets there, he gets there, the right person. So it seems as that the ECB are going to appoint the right person to chair the, the ECB, which is a positive sign going forward for me. You're listening to The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Still to come, we'll speak live to Derbyshire opener Sean Masood. But next up, we'll look back at Division 1 action. The big wins for Hampshire and Warwickshire. Harmy, let's begin with Surrey-Somerset. I mean, it was fascinating because six of the nine games ended with an innings victory and another game ending in a 10-wicket win. Um, so not too many close ones. Just one draw in nine games across the two divisions. 1800s, nine uh, five-wicket hauls. The closest to the lot was uh, Surrey uh, beating Somerset, who've had a shocking start to the season by three wickets at the Oval. Short of runs, obviously, Somerset, but Tom Abel um, scored 150 and a half century in the match. Uh, Sam Curran returning to first-class cricket, excelling with the bat more than the ball with scores of 80 and 33. And then um, opener Ryan Patel, who's highly, highly rated, um, a fourth innings hundred to get Surrey over the line. Just a cracking game all round. Yeah, it looked a good game. Uh, it really did. And Sam Curran, he, he just took the game away from Somerset in the end to set up the the sort of the declaration with thirty three up thirty three balls. I think Sam was only allowed to bowl fifteen overs in the in the game. Batted at seven. Uh, he only bowled ten. He didn't bowl his 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 full a lot that that he wanted. Folks is in the runs. Ben folks is as much as I think. Johnny Besto should keep wicket for England. Folks has come back from the West Indies and he's he's batted beautifully. He's got runs, so he's I think he's back in. He's he's a show in for that for that for that first test in in June because he's done everything that he's been asked of. Go away, score some runs at number five, but at higher up in the order. So yeah, good on on Ben Folks. Tommy Abel looks as though he's keeping Somerset together, not only captaincy but with the bat as well. Uh, one to look out for. And I think if England can keep an eye on him and if he can bowl a volume of overs, I, I like Reese Topley, always have done. I think the kid is a fantastic option when it comes to left arm, swings it tall, uh, three wickets in, in each innings, and he's now put a run of games together. Uh, and I remember talking to him in Barbados on the field in 2020, and he said he has aspirations to play the longer format of the game if he can keep his body uh, intact. So Topley's had a good start the season, and I think if, you know, if he does put a few games together... England will be looking at him as well because he gives you that different that different angle 
he's tall, 80 mile an hour, a little bit more, but he, he, he swings it as well. So it was nice to see Reese put a, a couple of games together. Lancashire have got a simple formula, format going, haven't they? For, simple formula, puts 550 on the board and bowl them out twice. They've, uh, <laughs> they've done it twice now. Josh Bohannon, a double hundred. Dane Villas, second hundred in a row for him, 556 for seven. Gloucestershire, um, I don't know. I think the best news coming out of Gloucestershire last week was that David Lawrence has been appointed as the new president. Sid, Sid Lawrence. Great to see, wasn't it? Yeah, he's a big lad, Sid, isn't he? He's sitting there, he's big arms on the side. He chuffed the bits he was. I'm really pleased for, for Sid Lawrence because he had a horrific, horrific injury, didn't he, on the start of the international career. God, not that I, who knows where he could have gone if uh, if he hadn't sort of had that that knee injury. But it's it's good to see that um, Sid Lawrence is in involved with with Gloucester again. Uh, he had a big smile on his face when I seen him in that in that picture. So that was good. Lancashire are a good side. Lancashire are a good side. The thing I've enjoyed about the two two things about this this game, uh, Josh Bohannon has gone up to number three. I, I, I can't remember which one it was. Is that Ricky Ponting or Shane Moore talked about? young players playing county cricket, going bat at three. It's the hardest place to bat. And if you do that and you do well, you've got a chance to bat anywhere you, you need to bat in, in test match cricket. Um, it makes the, 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 the sort of jump a lot, a lot easier because that's not a problem position, but it's a tough position to bat in first-class cricket, number three. And Bahannon has twice now has gone on and got you know, a big score, 231. Um, and Matt Parkinson, again, he got three wickets in, in the second innings, four wickets in the match. What I like about what Parkinson's doing in, in that game was an international attack. He's bowling with international bowlers and it was an international attack. Hassan Ali, Jimmy Anderson and Saki Mahmood. You, you want to look at how Parkinson goes because I think he's not far away of playing in that test match on the 2nd of June. And I think because of because of the way he's bowled in, in, in first-class cricket so far this season, interesting and intrigued to see how he would go bowling with you know, the better bowlers. Um, and fitting and functioning with yeah, an attack which has got international quality. And he did it brilliantly again. And Gloucester, be interesting to see how the likes of Bracey have been talked about playing for England. Yeah, Higgins been talked about playing for England. How they would go against um, against you know, the international bowling attack like like um, Lancashire have. And you know, well, they were 119 for none in the first innings and bowled out for 250. It just shows you what a good attack that Lancashire have got. Okay, um, uh, let's rattle through a couple quickly here. Hampshire beat Kent by an innings and 51. Um, Kent dismissed for 305. Daniel Bell Drummond scored half of them. Uh, Keith Barker, six for. Um, if only he wasn't 35, I think. Uh, he, if, he was, if he was 25, he'd be, he'd be in every England squad, hmm. I reckon. But really, Hampshire, 652 for six. Ben Compton scored runs again in the fourth innings. He made 89. Warwickshire defending champions beating Essex by 10 wickets at Edgebest, and that's a really, really good result. Concussion substitute Liam Norwell took four wickets in uh, in the second innings um, against Essex, which I'm reliably informed are the best figures for a concussion substitute for Warwickshire. Again, you look at the Warwickshire-Essex two teams, the last two teams to win the championship. How good is Michael Burgess playing, by the way? That's 170. What well, an innings that is. Now, again, you know, hanging on at the end, but lower order runs again. You, Oliver Hannandol be just hanging in there, blocking it and blocking it and blocking it while Burgess goes ballistic. So, Sibley just starting to get going. 41 not out, second innings. 
he got 33 in the first innings. If you're looking on, the, on an England watch point of view, um, nice to see Danny Briggs getting getting some uh, some wickets in that first innings as well. Uh, Essex had a bad day, and Hampshire look ridiculously strong, don't they? And a batting unit, Dawson, another one who thought potentially could have gone to the Caribbean. You know, finger spinner just holding it together, batting at number eight, which. You look at England's bowlers; there not many of them can bat. And if the, if you have got a, if you want a, a spin bowler who can just hold an end up, I don't think Liam Dawson is too far away from being in, rec- in the reckoning to to just balance the side out. If you're going with the, the three fast bowlers who who struggle to bat, um, and another another hundred for for James Vince, because there'll be a clamour for him to play when it comes to the second of June as well. So I think all in all, the bat has definitely beaten the ball in the first division. And uh, the last three, Harmy, uh, let's go with Nottinghamshire beating Durham. I'm sure you kept an eye on that one by an mm. innings and 141 runs. Middlesex coming good eventually, beating Glamorgan by an innings and, and 82 runs. Lots of uh, talking points there. Toby Roland Jones, eight wickets in the match. Let's not forget him. Yeah, he was uh, he, a bright England future was predicted for him not so yeah. long ago uh, uh, before injury. And the only draw of the week um, between Yorkshire and North Ants. North Ants, you just got to love them, haven't you? They're just that plucky spirit hanging on for the draw to uh, to deny Yorkshire, who I guess you could say had pretty much dominated the match. They did dominate the match. Um, good to see George Hill. he gone from opening the bat to number number three. I think he's one to watch. Yeah, a few years yet, but he's one to watch. I think he's good all-round cricketer, is George Hill. I'm very impressed by him when he uh, when I was at Yorkshire in, in sort of January, February. Uh, another one, Matthew um, Rivers, who I think he, he played early, early, and he, he only played a handful of a handful of games for Yorkshire. Big, he was a batsman, turned himself into a bowler, got three for an each innings. So he's another one to watch. I think Harry Brook is more or less he's nearly a shoe in for that first Test match. He can't stop scoring runs in that middle order. You say Northampton, yeah, three hundred eighteen for seven, eighty run partnership for the seventh wicket between McManus and Kelly just. Just keeping Yorkshire at bay. One disappointing bit of news from Yorkshire is Matt Fisher is going to be out for a month with, you know, I think it's stress reaction and he's back. And that's something that not only Yorkshire fans, but England fans will be disappointed with as well. Because I think he did good things in the Caribbean and I think this was a big summer for him. So that's unfortunate. Durham were blown away by a very, very good knot side. It'll be knots and somebody else to go up in the uh, in the second division. Good to see Potts got. Matthew Potts got wickets, but Slater was just too good, 225. And I think that Middlesex bowling attack will... There's about four teams in that second division. They've all got decent bowling attacks. Um, and Middlesex is with Tom Helm and, and Toby Rowland-Jones. Um, Afridi as well, who, who knocked over Labashen twice. That's a good bowling attack, that. So there's some artillery in that second division. And it'll be interesting to see who can put 14 games together to, to get out of it. So um, just before we break, uh, have you had a look at next week's uh, round four? Have you uh, any particularly mouth-watering fixtures there? The one I want to, the, the big one is, I think, is is Yorkshire going back to Henley. Everything that's been talked about, it's going to be Yorkshire's first chance of their members to, to vote with their feet and also <laughs> hear the rumblings when you, the Western Terrace will... We'll tell Darren Goff and Lord Patel, Otis Gibson, whether you know they've built enough bridges to get the community back on side or there's still a lot of work to do. I still think there's a lot of work to do, but I think Yorkshire are going in the right direction and that'll be 
That'll be an interesting one. They've got Kent at home, but it's the first time the Yorkshire members will see um, their side play after in, un, uh, under the new regime. The standout on on, on the field and performance-wise is, is Lancashire's bowling attack. If Anderson's in that, Anderson, Hassan Ali, Saki Mahmood, Matt Parkinson go into the Aegeus Bowl to play Hampshire, who have just racked up 600 and won comfortably. So that'll be like a test match, that one. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it'll be on a test pitch. Um, and that'll be probably the game of the of next week. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Next up, we'll speak live to Derbyshire and Pakistan batsman uh, Shan Masood after he scores his second double hundred in as many games. You're listening to the Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a It's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, as promised, we're joined by Derbyshire's Sean Masood, who's made an extraordinary start to the season with a, a gentle warm-up in the first game when he made 91 and 62. He's only batted once in the next two rounds of the championship. Back-to-back double centuries, scores of 239 and 219. Quite remarkable, Sean, your, your form. Uh, and and um, what makes it even better is that uh, Derbyshire are winning and uh, second in the, in the Division 2 table. Firstly, thank you for having me on, on the show. 
and look uh, i think i've been speaking to to a lot of people and that includes mickey arthur um we buddy and bell on board as well and and we touched about something before the season started that the runs will always be a byproduct of of how well you train how good your attitude is and and how well you're playing as a batsman um that's that's all i focused on um and what what is even better is that the team is going in the right direction under mickey and and we're getting some results as well and there's a lot of talk in football as saying that you know, you can't do it on a wet Tuesday night in Stoke or Derby <laughs> but can you do it on a on a nice on a, well i wouldn't say a nice summer's day because i don't think really in june and july you'll still feel that the temperature will get anywhere near as as what pakistan is but what's the biggest thing you've found since you've you've sort of come into derby I think Ami is spot on. Um, the the biggest change has been the weather. Um, I came <laughs> when I came in. I had to get a heart scan and literally go to Oxford the next day to play a side match in Oxford when the temperature was about one degree. So I'm still settling in. The wind at Leicester actually has done me. I'm still struggling from yesterday. I still still feel cold. But to play cricket in this weather, that's the that's the actual achievement that we've done. Look, Mickey. has scored south africa he's taken south africa to that world number 1 spot he's taken australia to places he took pakistan to places and a lot of the players that that you see in the pakistan team right now are from mickey's regime are from mickey's culture the sets, the standards that mickey set and and he's doing the exact same thing at derbyshire and the best thing that that comes with mickey arthur is his man management and we're seeing that we're seeing that in the dressing room um he's he's really good with players he's really good at getting the best of his players and 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 we're seeing that culture where we probably derbyshire won there the year before or or the years before that and we're seeing that now that derbyshire is really uh, turning into a strong outfit we want to talk about you shawn but uh, seeing as you've mentioned mickey a couple of times there can you tell us how about uh, how your appointment came about and also um it was we were all quite amused to see you describe him as a typical parent the other day <laughs> <laughs> the the appointment came about in october i had taken a break from cricket uh, my sister had passed away uh, and i'd spent some of that time with my parents in dubai and on my way back from dubai this is the same time that sri lanka had got knocked out of the tournament and mickey i bumped into mickey and he seemed quite surprised to see me and the reason that was because he said that he'd been thinking about me for the last couple of days he he wanted to give me a ring and discuss about a proposition and that proposition turned out to be uh being if i was available for the whole season to play for derbyshire so i think the stars aligned over there and yes when i use the word parent um i think that's pretty true i think if you speak to the pakistan the, the rest of the pakistani boys that that are here that played under mickey they'd probably say the same things he he gives you that loving but then there are also those moments where where he gives that stick like like you expect from parents when when you when you step off the mark or when you sort of rest on your laurels we must be getting some good pocket money off these parents at the minute chaps <laughs> going runs at the minute how have you found yeah. how have you found red bull cricket in england because there's a lot of talk in the winter about how badly england have played a lot to do with county cricket and pitches but it seems as though the pitches have been good so far in in the england summer uh, how have you found you know, your your first test of uh, you know red bull test of a first class cricket in england I think speaking to a lot of guys in different teams and and in our dressing room especially the pitches have been much better to what people have seen in April and I've 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 noticed there's been a lot of uh, test cricket um type pitches where you won't just get anything by just putting the ball in the right area you really have to work for your wickets even yesterday Leicester Leicester didn't give up the the ninth and 10th wicket really made us work hard to get those wickets and we almost had to go till tea um to clean up four wickets in a day 
Um, so the pitches have been good. They've got everything for everyone. You see some spinners taking wickets. Um, you see batsmen scoring runs. And I think in England as a batsman, one thing I've realized is that with the Duke's ball, with the overheads and, and something in the deck, there'll always be a ball that can get you out. So while you're at it, um, the onus on, is on you to score some runs. So keep the, the scoreboard ticking. Keep Make sure that, that the run rates are, are high. So then that also gives you, sort of saves you time in, in a four-day match or a five-day match to win that game. Um, so I think it's been good cricket. But as a batsman, I've noticed that while you're there, make sure that you score some runs as well. Because, I mean, if you look to graft it or grind it out for 100 or, or 150 balls, there'll always be a ball with your name on it. And then you'll be a bit disappointed that you never really kicked on. Has there been a particular trigger that has led to, to this form? I'm thinking about, you know, the many distractions. I don't know how many sweaters you were batting in. Um, but, <laughs> you know, it's unfamiliar conditions. But to bat for so long, um, back-to-back double hundreds, has there been a, a particular trigger that has, that has led to this? I think firstly, I'm a bit superstitious. I'll always go with half sleeves, uh, a shirt and, and a sleeveless sweater when I'm batting, whether it's hot or cold. <laughs> I've always done that. Um, and it has to be really hot for me to take that, that sweater off. Um, secondly, the, the trigger, it comes, I think it comes from experience. I mean, knowing what's my identity as a player, what's the best way that I play. And I think I play my best cricket when I'm looking to score runs and then I'm able to concentrate for longer. And, and also, when, when, when you look to score runs, batting becomes more fun. Um, and I've just, uh, you go through experiences of being dropped from the side. You go through experiences of, um, of, of losing places in, in, in several teams or of failing in test cricket. You go through so many experiences. And I think, I mean, as I touched upon before, I mean, losing my sister was pretty big. It, it realizes that at the end of the day, cricket's just a game. Um, it's not life or death. And, and life or death is, is family, is your own health. Um, it's just allowed me a bit of freedom to play my cricket with. When you're out of the setup, when you're not being considered in the setup, it allows you to go back and really realize that cricket's just a game and you should enjoy it as a game. And, and I think that's given me the freedom to, to sort of bat in a way that's more natural to me. And is, was that something that you're coming over to England thinking, right, I'm going to, my ambitions are trying to get back in the Pakistan side. Uh, how do I get back in the side? Well, if I go and score some runs in, you know, what are supposed to be challenging conditions, and the Pakistan selectors will 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 have to have a look at me, especially with the amount of Pakistan players playing in England this summer. Was it was that the motivation to come over to Derby and score runs? I think Steve, it's been it's been completely the opposite. Uh, I've been less conscious about thinking of a comeback into the Pakistan team. I've, I've decided to let go of that element. If it happens, if it, it happens, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I think coming over here, the most exciting part of coming over here was to play cricket because. Even now in the Pakistan team, while I was um, uh, in the Australian series, I didn't get to play. So when you don't play, you actually lose out on playing time. You lose out on being a better batsman, a better cricketer. So coming here and playing for Derby in all three formats, that's what I was looking to. I value myself as an all-format player. I want to play all formats for Pakistan, but I'm not consciously thinking about a, about a comeback. I'm consciously thinking of bettering myself as a batsman and playing cricket. I love playing cricket and I'm really glad that I'm here at Derbyshire and, and I get to represent them in all three formats. Sounds like you're taking a very philosophical view. Um, you, can try, you can want something too much, can't you, international cricket particularly? Um, it, can, it can lead to a loss of form if you're trying too hard. I mean, it's a massively busy schedule coming up for Pakistan. Lots of cricket at home. Um, and I'm sure that that must be something you would very much like to, 
to be involved in. But I guess you, you know, if you want something, you just have to let it go and and let life do its worst to you or its best. Absolutely, Neil. I think um, I was the same person that had three international back-to-back centuries in Test cricket, and then a few months later, I was the same person that had three international ducks in a row. Uh, so <laughs> cricket can give you the highs and the lows. It's a great leveler. I think for an opening batsman, especially in red ball cricket, you just have to be accepting. You have to accept whatever comes and whatever goes and and just be in the moment and realize that, and like I said, cricket's a game. Accept it. Um, enjoy it. Try to get better. Um, I think the only things that are in our control is how our attitude towards the game is um, and, and our work ethic. The rest, the result is always a byproduct of, of the things, things we do around it. So, again, I'm not looking... Uh, specifically at, at targets of, of whether I get back in the team, whether I score an X amount of runs. My thing is to be as present as possible. I'm here. I've got a great bunch of group of players to work with. I've got Mickey as a coach. I'm very excited that I've been able to have the services of Ian Bell as batting consultant just to learn of him, just to pick his brain. Um, I think that's been brilliant. Um, and, and I'm very excited just just to play play the rest of the English season at the moment. You've got a lot of uh, friends over in dotted around England. Apart from the cold, that's the yeah. only thing that you'll probably have in common. I would imagine on on the WhatsApp groups that you'll have with the guys from back home. How have they, how are they going? And yeah, you know, how is it? How good is it to have people not far away from you to obviously to make life a, a lot easier in England? I think the best thing about cricket is the connections you make with people, the relationships you have. Once you're done, you'd, you'd rather be remembered as a good person with with good connections and 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 good bunch of friends. And and I think just a special moment that I'd share with you. Hassan Ali had been struggling a bit since the World Cup, um, where he dropped a catch, and his form had dipped a bit since. And then when he got that six for just to just to ring him up and and really be happy in his success and knowing that he's in the same country, he's. He's playing the same kind of cricket. And then the next day, receiving a sort of a, a reciprocal call when I got my 200 from Hassan Ali. Those are, mad, those, those are moments that really matter with you. They stick with you. Um, and uh, it's, it's the same with everyone. I, I've been talking to Abbas. When Rizwan was over, we went for a couple of meals. Naseem Shah, unfortunately, got injured. So just calling him, asking him about his health. Shaheen is over. Shaheen sent a few voice notes. Um, I'm, I'm due to see them for, for Eid, hopefully. Uh, sometime uh, next week when when Ramadan is done. So so those are things we're very excited. And it's a great time for Pakistan cricket where our players get to come here and show their skills and, and just to sort of um, sort of show to the world that Pakistan's a, a very good cricketing nation and, and we've got skillful players that that in their domain are some some are the best in the world at as well. And and we're glad we get to show these skills in England. And um some of your teammates at Derbyshire, I mean Saranga Lakmal's uh uh, it was 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 Mickey's first big catch, um, and and now you. But um, some of the some of the younger players, Derbyshire's reputation, of course, of being an unfashionable county, seems to be changing quite quickly this season. Yeah, I think I'm I'm very impressed with. Look, Mickey's Mickey's always great with his recruitments. Um, how he gets uh, the players in into the setup. Um, I personally um, like the look of uh, Sammy Connors. I think he's a great fast bowler. Athletic, probably one of the best run-ups that you'll see. I mean, Steve, I, I, I hope Steve gets to look at it. Steve's a fast mm. bowler. Steve's been there, done that. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Steve will like the look of Sammy Connors. Um, Layers Deploy, great young left-handed middle-order batsman. Um, Nicky Potts, who's only 19, who's put in a 
two good shifts. Um, he made his first class debut against Sussex last week, got a couple of wickets against Leicester this week. Um, Alex Thompson is an off spinner. Just to see an off spinner thriving, bowling 40, 45 overs in April is very heartening to see and, and really putting himself up there. Anuj Dal is a little good all-rounder than we've got. We've got some experience with uh, Wayne Madsen and, and Billy Godelman. We've got a wicketkeeper called Brooke Guest uh, who bats number three, which is very brave for, for a wicketkeeper to bat number three in four-day cricket. So um, it's, it's a very exciting lineup, and, and I think me and Saranga are fitting in very well with the, with the guys over there. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. It's been a pleasure watching you as well, which we're all able to do now, thanks to County Championship being streamed. Um, you never know. You never know who's watching you from anywhere in the world, but it's, uh, it's been a great pleasure. Keep up the good work, and um, hopefully we'll catch up again later in the season. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me on the show. Have a great day. Derbyshire opening batsman, Sean Massoud. And for more content on the County Championship, you can listen to our brand new show, Following On County Cricketer, which is released as a podcast on the Following On feed every Thursday morning from 5am, with it going out on TalkSport 2 at 9am. Right, as promised, we're joined now by Wisden Almanac editor Lawrence Booth, who's um, been a a regular friend of the programme over the last uh, year, regular-ish anyway. Lots to talk about, Lawrence, um, this year, the five cricketers of the year, as always, inspiring much conversation. One in particular, Ollie Robinson, which obviously, (laughs) I mean, a a lot of uh, conversation. But the others, just uh, for those who don't know, were Rohit Sharma, Jasper Bumrah, Devon Conway and Dane van Niekerk. It's never easy, is it? I know that there's always a flood of people with uh, suggestions saying, oh, how can he or she not have been a cricketer of the year after all they did? And your standard response always seems to be, well, who, who would you have left out then in order to include yeah. them? <laughs> well, indifference would be the worst reaction. I'm I'm always quite relieved when people get angry about the choice of the five because it shows that they, they still care and wisdom still carries some sort of clout, even if it's sort of getting bad reactions. Um, a, a lot of the time that people have an emotional reaction. Their favourite player isn't in there. So I try and just take the heat out of it and say, well, who would you have chosen? And often they'll, they'll say someone who might have been seventh or eighth on my list and I'll explain why they weren't in the list. And we, we'll, we'll all end up friends in the end. But look, it's, it's kind of, it's high-class pub debate, isn't it, really? Who, who should be in the Wisdom Five? And it's always good fun. Just remind us of the criteria. Yeah, two criteria. You can't be chosen more than once, which does rile a few people. And the emphasis is on the English summer, which also riles a few people. Okay, let's tell us about tell us about Ollie Robinson's selection then, and and um, I'm sure everybody's familiar with the background, but but just include a little a little bit of that and um, the difficulties in in choosing him. Yeah, well, obviously Ollie made his debut against New Zealand at Lords last summer, took three wickets on the first day. While that's happening, uh, tweets he'd written a decade earlier resurfaced. They were horrible tweets. They were racist, sexist, Islamophobic came off at the end, was told what had happened, had to read out a statement, and all, all hell broke loose, obviously. Um, he takes seven wickets in the test, is suspended for the next, as the ECB investigate whether he is truly contrite about what he did. Uh, and then he's recalled and has a terrific series against India, 21 wickets, the most on either side. He finishes his first summer as a test cricketer with 28 wickets, at an average of 19. That's 10 more wickets than any other England bowler. So from a purely cricketing point of view, he was quite a straightforward choice. Now, that's not to say he was a straightforward choice, because obviously you have to take into account the tweets. And I could see this sort of bubbling under as the summer progressed. I'm thinking, I'm probably going to have to pick Robinson here, but this is not going to go down well in, in certain quarters. And, and I do understand that reaction. So there has been a reaction. 
people are saying, how can you, are you condoning effectively what, what Robinson did? My argument is that we're not, we're not forgiving Robinson by picking him. We're not making a moral judgment uh, either way in that sense. The tweets were obviously horrible. He did them 10 years ago. He apologised and he was suspended. Now, there's a big gap between that and doing the tweets the day before his debut and never saying sorry. If he'd done that, he would have been probably impossible to select. In fact, I can say we wouldn't have chosen him. But you have to take into account, however horrible the tweets were, I think you do have to take into account the fact that everyone deserves a second chance. He said sorry and sounded genuine. And we didn't feel it was for us to punish him further. Now, I totally get the response of people who've said that they feel that a guy who's done, who said horrible things is now being rewarded by wisdom and ethnic minorities in this country will say that's typical that's how it works a white guy does something bad and he gets a gong gong put around his neck i get that i'm not denying that reaction i'm just trying to explain why we did what we did from a, a wisdom perspective is it, Lawrence, has it been frustrating because there's been both sides of that there's a couple of i thought they were horrific articles about uh, a book which i think is is, is not named the bible of of cricket is what everybody wants to read. I think I've got mine there right behind me, the one that I was given in 2000 and 2000. Yeah, the, the leather bound one, nice, yeah. Yeah, it's one of the best things I've, I've, ever, I've ever been given. And it's something that not only cricket cricketers, but you know, people that love the game. We have got a, we have got a, a weird bunch that love our game of cricket. Um, mm-hmm. But the frustrating thing for me in the last sort of two weeks is Yes, everybody's now got an opinion because of social media and stuff like that. But the, the opinion has been so far what you know. It's not been like one sided. It's been both sided. It's been described as woke. It's been described as racist. How frustrating is that when all you're trying to do is enhance the education of a of a cricket loving family with knowledge? Well, it's a bit frustrating, but you know, not all these sort of judgments are good faith judgments. I mean, that you mentioned the woke accusation well on the one hand you know as you say we're we're being accused of sort of enabling racist tweets on the other we're we're woke it's a bit like sort of the bbc you get accused of being left-wing and right-wing depending on the perspective of the person who's saying it the answer is you can't win and if you try and please all the people all the time you're onto a loser as an editor all you can do really is do what you think is right and be able to justify it in your own mind i know that i'm going to come on and do lots of interviews with people on a week publication i have to have everything lined up in my mind. Uh, and as long as I can justify it to myself, that's fine. I mean, th- one of the accusations that we were too woke was based on the fact that there's a lot of stuff about racism in cricket. Well, if we didn't reflect the year that's just happened where the ECB chief executive, Tom Harrison, is up in front of a parliamentary committee every three months to explain what he's doing about racism in English cricket, or Azim Rafiq, not even playing the game anymore, is effectively the star man for cricket. He's in all the headlines. If we didn't reflect that, we would not be doing our job. If people think that's woke, well, you know, to me, woke's a compliment. It means you're mm. you're um, you're concerned about people who are, who are getting sort of dumped on from a great height. Some people regard it as an insult because they equate it with political correctness. I don't go down that line. If someone wants to call me woke, I take it as a compliment, really. On the subject of language, Lawrence, um, I mean, we only have to think back. Uh, it makes me cringe. Probably, probably no more than three or four years. Uh, when we, we recall what left-arm wrist spinners were, were always uh, used to be called. Um, but on the subject of, of, you know, batter and third man and, and the, the changing language, do you, do you have a, a committee 
Do you, do you have a, a committee of wise men and women who you consult and uh, uh, to change change language? Well, I think my the wisdom staff would be very happy to be described in that way. Um, there's, a, there's a small group, there's about five of us, and we talk these things through. Of course we do. We changed that term to, to left arm wrist spin about four years ago because Andrew Wu, who is a, an Australian cricket writer of Chinese heritage, said that he found Chinaman offensive as a term. And my view was that as a white journalist, it's up to me to listen when someone from a different racial background says they find something offensive. It's not for me to jump up and down and go, oh, don't be a snowflake. <laughs> um, it's t- the, the white mainstream hasn't listened often enough in cricket. And that's one of the points I'm trying to make in this in this year's wisdom. That's why we put Rafiq front and centre. So look, batter, why anyone gets annoyed by batter is beyond me. It's analogous with fielder and bowler. Enough women and girls have complained about batter because it makes them feel excluded. So we're making a harmless change to a word that makes more girls would might encourage more girls to think of cricket as an inclusive sport. What's the problem? You know what? People who react to these things, they get triggered for all kinds of reasons that I can't begin to guess at. And it's not really I'm not really that interested about what what they've been through in their lives to make them think that batter is somehow the root of all evil. In two in two years time, bat, everyone will be saying batter. And we will look back and go, why on earth were we worried about batsmen I mean we put a photo on the cover of wisdom in 2003 some people thought the world had come to an end and within two years <laughs> within two years everyone's going oh, wonder who'll be on the cover of wisdom this year it became a talking point the life changes and people react and if you want to get stuck on arguing about batter and batsman well good luck to you and speaking about you know, the, the the batter Devon Conway uh, Rohit Sharma is that telling us how bad England have played over the course of the last 12 months that we have only got one person yeah, I, th- um, I, th- I think that's a fair point. I mean, often I look at the choice of the five and it tells you a bit of a story about the previous summer. And you look at this five, as you say, one England player, three three players from the opposing test teams. Of course, New Zealand won 1-0, first victory in England since 99. And Conway starts with a double hundred on his test debut at Lords. <laughs> you don't get much better than that. And then 80 in the test that they win at Edgbaston. Uh, and Boomer uh, and Sharma were... Outstanding. I mean, they they basically with bat and ball helped win the two tests that India won at Lords than the Oval. Sharma is one of the most elegant, elegant and destructive batsmen in the world, and Bumrah is one of the most thrilling fast bowlers to watch. I mean, on that on that last day at the Oval, you remember when he knocked over Pope and Bairstow with Yorkers mm. and successive overs. I mean, absolute glorious stuff. It's a bit like Wazim and Wacker and their pomp, really. So those two are quite easy picks for me too. Done for Nikak. Yeah. Well. Look, last year, I mean, I'm, I'm critical of the men's 100 in this year's wisdom, but I'm full of praise for the women's 100. It was a, a revolutionary moment, not just for English women's cricket. I think probably for global women's cricket, this will become a tournament that lots of people want to play at. Um, she was the most valuable player. She was the leading run scorer. She was captain of the winning team. She took wickets with a leg break. She was a great spokesperson for the tournament as well. So if we hadn't chosen a woman in this year's five, it would look weird, I think, because last summer will go down as a huge summer for women's cricket. Uh, and as luck would have it, she absolutely held her own as a cricketer as well. So there's no, absolutely no tokenism about it. She was, you know, the star of that tournament. And with your male correspondence hat mm-hmm. on now, um, the likelihood that Ben Stokes will be England test captain and 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 there seems to be a move as well towards uh, making Gary Kirsten a favourite anyway um, to take over the test team. I, I can't see beyond Stokes. Um, all the whispers I'm hearing, the direction of, travel what people are saying it, th- th- there aren't any other serious candidates either I don't think some people have spoken about bringing Stuart Broad for a year tied it over but all that really does is kick the can down the road 
there's no one else people have talked about I mean it's got so desperate people have said what about say Tom Abel of Somerset I mean until the last game against Surrey he was averaging eight or something in his previous six seven games in Somerset were bottom of the table so no disrespect to him he's a talented player but that that's the point we've reached I, I think it probably is Stokes Kirsten's an interesting one I mean that he he was quite close to getting it three years ago and then the feeling was that he didn't interview that well uh, I think he flew over to London thinking that the job was his. I know we've talked about this before. And as a result, didn't kind of do the homework that the, the people at the ECBU like PowerPoint presentations and certain boxes to be ticked were not impressed. Chris Silverwood came along and did all those things. He, he was a guy who'd grown up in the English system, so he pipped him to it. Whether Kirsten now gets another chance is interesting because the big problem with English, well, one of the big problems, one of the many problems with English cricket at the moment is the, the Red Bull top order. And so Kirsten, in a way, would be a natural fit. I mean, I, 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 why not just get him as a Red Bull batting consultant, hire him on that, that basis for sort of five or six months a year or whatever, then he can do his IPL and so on. Um, because I think, you know, he, could he do IPL and the test job? That's tricky. The, the IPL often overlaps with the first test of an English summon. Um, so there would be, you know, buys to dot and T's to cross. Otis Gibson was in the running. He's on Key's wish list. So Yorkshire wouldn't be too happy about that. He leaves within sort of a month. Every name is being banded around at the moment. Justin Lang has been mentioned. Ricky Ponting was mentioned. He doesn't want to do it. Mahela Jaiward, Nakuma Sangakara. And you name it, they are they are trying everyone. But the problem is that the English test or the English coaching role is not as attractive as it once was because if you want to make money and spend time with your family as a coach, you do IPL. You'll make, you'll make as much money as you would for England. You're not travelling around the world for eight months of the year. So it's, it's a tricky one for, for Rob Key to have to deal with first up. Red Bull batting consultant. I think Gary Kirsten might like the sound of that. Put it to him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Lawrence, people ask me, a, a lot of people have asked me um, about the production of Wisdom. And and, I, and you and I have joked, and I always tease you about it being like, you know, painting the fourth bridge. By the time you get to one end, you, you have to go back and start again. Um, <laughs> do you, is, it, is that what it's like? I mean, you've got a thousand pages and uh, and it is a daunting and and as Harmi just said very cherished um item of of um of any cricket fans you know library or collection it does it does it feel relentless and do you ever sort of get a break or are you always thinking wisdom yeah kind of always thinking I mean this time of year is quite nice because just got the PR out of the way for the, for the most recent publication you can sort of step back a bit the season it's only just starting. Um, actually, you said a thousand pages. It's fifteen hundred. You know, it's not, give the other give the other five hundred there you. <laughs> but it's funny. Last night, actually, I, I I showed my. I walked into the kitchen. My my wife was there, and um, I was brandishing six pages of A4. I said, "Guess what this is?" She said, "What?" I said, "These are the first proofs for Wisdom 2023." So we we're already on the way. I've already commissioned a lot, thinking about front of book pieces. That sounds like a hardship. It's not. I, I love it. Uh, you, you couldn't do the job if you didn't love it. I'm, I love thinking about how we're going to make the next wisdom better than the previous one and and stay in the headlines. I'm getting battered from the left wing and the right wing, and I think I'm probably doing an OK job. Fantastic. Lawrence Booth, Wisdom Almanac, Almanac editor and, uh, and mail cricket correspondent. Thanks for your time, mate. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. That was Lawrence Booth, uh, Wisdom Almanac editor and mail cricket correspondent. Uh, so just a couple of other small items of news. We mentioned Kieran Pollard retiring from international cricket, uh, but he's bearing in on his 600th T20, and there's no sign of him uh, slowing down. In South Africa, Graham Smith, the former captain and director of cricket, was cleared 
of all charges of racism um, in, by an arbitration hearing in South Africa. Um, uh, it was an exhausting and exhaustive arbitration hearing. Uh, it was a 95-page document, which um, it took me all of a day to read. Uh, it was very, very clear. Um, so all, all charges of, of racism, which and they were only ever tentative findings as well. Uh, there was never anything, anything concrete. But my goodness me, I didn't realize just uh, how much uh, depth that, that, that it would go into. And if anybody cares to read it, they would, they would find it fascinating. It's, it's actually in English rather than legalese. So that's the news from South Africa, Harmi. Anything from you? What does this mean for Mark Voucher? Because we've talked on this critical collective about four or five times about the stance and where Boucher possibly could be coming to England. Where does this stand now? He's good merits being cleared. Well, his hearing is in May and it will be even more exhausting and even more similarly exhaustive. Um, you know, no stone will be left unturned. It's extremely unlikely that he will be found guilty. Uh, we, as we mentioned a couple of uh, weeks ago, um, the charges against him were more often than not in a team environment, um, which was which was racially charged in the early 2000s. You know, the, it, it, it's going to be a he said, she said, we said one word against another. And I think that there's um, a strong desire for South Africa's best players, current players, not to be dragged through uh, the, effectively a, a courtroom, although, again, it's an arbitration hearing. So I suspect that, uh, I strongly suspect that he, he will be cleared and uh, uh, but I don't think he'll carry on as as coach. Um, I I think that I mean Graham Smith has walked away from cricket South Africa. He's not reapplied for his position as director of cricket. There's an enormous amount. Of, I won't even say scar tissue um, because it's still raw, open wounds between him and uh, cricket South Africa. And I don't think that it'll be possible for Mark Boucher to to carry on. But uh, you know, I could be wrong. He. Would I mean two of the biggest tours for South Africa, of course, coming to England in the summer and and then going to Australia at the end of the year. And uh, he would he would love to take the team. I just don't see that it'll be possible. But I'll be there, Harmy. Yeah, you'll be there. We'll be there. England, South Africa. That'd be a, a huge, huge tour. And we could have a South African coach of England. Yep. Who knows? Could be South African coach. Fantastic. Thanks, Tommy. You've been listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can, all, as always, download the podcast from the following on feed, now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever else you get your podcasts. And we'll be back at the same time next week to look back at round four of the county championship. But for now, this has been The Cricket Collective here on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, 
the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 